Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. The Biden administration is trying to crack down on air pollution through a new ambitious rule it released this week. The regulation sets national exposure limits for particulate matter, which are these tiny particles that include soot, dust, and smoke, and negatively impact your health. EPA says the regulation will save thousands of lives. But there are major concerns about the impact on the energy and manufacturing sectors. So today, we chat with Politico's Alex Guillen, about EPA's new efforts to remove soot from our air. It's Friday, February 9th. So what EPA did was it set a new national ambient air quality standard for particulate matter, which is sort of a class of tiny little particles that are more commonly called soot, or it comes from smoke or dust. So just think anything really tiny. And there's a a national standard for it that was last set under the Obama administration with a limit of 12 micrograms per cubic meter of air. Specifically, that's for fine particulate matter, which is also known as PM 2.5. And it's called that because those particles are so small, they're only 2.5 microns in size, which is a human hair is like 70 microns in width. So imagine much, much, much smaller than the width of a human hair. These are the kind of particles that, when breathed in, are connected to increased instances of asthma, potentially causing asthma causing other kinds of respiratory issues, premature heart attacks, and premature death. So this is one of the major pollutant rules that EPA does, and they have strengthened it now down from the previous standard of 12, and they've now set it at 9 micrograms. So that's 25% lower. Wow, and and Trump had left the limit unchanged, right? That's right. EPA is supposed to regularly review this kind of rule, and so when the Trump administration did that, they said that the science did not call for it to be strengthened. That was reconsidered by the Biden administration, and uh, we've seen the result now. And we know the move from the Biden administration has been cheered by environmentalists and public health advocates. So was this kind of exactly what they wanted, and what is EPA projecting as the benefits from this regulation? Environmentalists got a lot of what they wanted out of this rule. Many of them have been advocating for EPA to go as low as eight micrograms. So they were hoping for a little bit better on that final number, but they're pretty pleased with nine. Many environmentalists have also called on EPA to lower a 24-hour standard. So the standard we've been talking about is an annual average, and it's it's pretty low. EPA also sets a one-day standard, so that's a little bit higher. It's 35 micrograms, and it's designed to protect against short-term spikes in particulate pollution. EPA declined to lower that, even though environmentalists had been pressing them to do that. So they didn't get everything they wanted out of this rule, but they did get a pretty good chunk there. And then as for benefits, EPA did calculate this. This kind of rule, they're not supposed to look at the cost when they're setting the standard because it's supposed to be based on the science and uh, and what it says about public health. Consideration of costs can come at later stages when it comes to implementation. But but EPA did look ahead to 2032, which is the date at which most states will need to be in compliance with it. And in that year, they estimated that the costs will total about $590 million. But they also estimated that the public health benefits will add up to around $46 billion. So that's billion with a B. So much, much higher than the projected compliance costs. Right. And on the flip side, we know 
industry and Republicans are critical of this rule because of how it might impact the permitting of energy and manufacturing infrastructure projects in areas that would have to work to comply with the new standard. So how real are their concerns? Yeah, industry has been warning about this for a long time because they argue that a, a lot of the U.S. would be out of attainment with a standard this low. It remains to be seen to what extent that is. There's lots of disagreement, and this is an area where it takes a lot of monitoring and modeling and research to really figure out what the deal is from county to county. But yes, the industry, Republicans, even a couple of uh, Democrats, uh, Democratic governors from red states, for example, have pushed back on this and argued that it threatens the Biden administration's economic agenda because new manufacturing has to go through permitting to be built or existing manufacturing sometimes has to go through air permitting. And if they're located in areas that are either not meeting the standard or only just meeting the standard, that can make permitting more difficult. That's manufacturing, but it does include energy infrastructure and it can include transportation projects like highways. Now, the rule supporters have pushed back on this. EPA has pushed back on this. They've pointed out that we have set lots of different standards for different pollutants over the years, and industry has always found ways, one, to lower their emissions and come into compliance and to do it at relatively reasonable costs. So we'll be seeing a lot of disagreement over this, to be sure. But this is a story that we've seen play out a number of times before. And of course, this rule is likely to be challenged in court. But you report EPA's decisions under this particular program are historically difficult to attack. So why is that? And what's your sense of the legal risk on this one? This is an area where the courts have previously found that the Clean Air Act gives EPA substantial discretion to set the national standard. It's supposed to be based on the science, on what research says about public health benefits. And at later stages, they can consider things like costs, for example. So ultimately, because it's such a a very policy-intensive question. It's been historically difficult for opponents of, of these kind of air quality rules to challenge them in court. I know we've been seeing some EPA losses recently, but the agency is on relatively firm legal footing when it comes to setting these standards. I'm sure they will have to defend this one in court as well. But because this is heavily dependent on interpreting science, a lot of supporters say that this is something that judges really shouldn't be second-guessing from EPA as long as they meet all of the standard, you know, administrative and statutory requirements for going through the process. One really interesting thing I would note here, I mentioned earlier, the standard was last set under the Obama administration. When that was challenged by industry groups, the opinion upholding it was actually written by Brett Kavanaugh back when he was a judge on the DC circuit. And he is not exactly a fan of EPA taking sweeping action. So the fact that he found that EPA does have substantial discretion in this area I think is indicative that EPA does have a lot of authority here. But then then again, that said, we have also seen the Supreme Court moving toward giving less deference to agencies in general. So this will definitely be something to keep an eye on going forward. Also, House Energy and Commerce Committee Chair Kathy McMorris-Rogers, a Washington Republican who's been a frequent critic of the Biden administration's climate agenda, said on Thursday she won't seek re-election. Her planned departure marks the latest in a series of announced GOP exits from a panel largely responsible for legislating on key energy issues like permitting. McMorris Rogers began chairing the committee this term and will continue in the position for the rest of the year. Her exit opens up the top Republican spot on the committee next year. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power switch and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. 
Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Norman Malichael is the podcast producer. Annie Reese edited the podcast this week. Our editors are Matt Daly and Gloria Gonzalez. And that's our show. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back on Monday. Support for this program is provided by Chevron, who is innovating to help responsibly meet rising energy demand across their U.S. operations, like at their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand.